Hey, uh, this is Sue, and normally I have my two partners in crime, Mari and Rhonda, with me. But today we're doing something different. I've gotten their permission. They're not mad at me. We didn't have a big fight. In fact, Mari's in the booth with me, so if you hear giggling in the back or yelling, that's her. Uh, We were recently in a major production at Grace Community Church. We did Mary Poppins. It was an amazing experience. But one of the things that we do as a cast and crew is we have a devotional that goes along with the show. So essentially uh, what it is is there's some lines from the show or some themes from the show. There might be a concept and then just a few verses to help keep us on track so that the performance that you see on stage is a little more than an everyday theatrical production. And Sue wrote this. Oh. Sorry, I had to turn it <laughs> Forgive me. Yes. Okay, that's true. I, I did. Yes, I wrote it. So anyways, so ba- no, you're fine. So basically what I'm going to do is just read you the devotional. So you're going to get some behind the scenes things and some inside jokes from the show and um, enjoy. Introduction. Oh, wait, it's called Mary Poppins Broadway Musical Grace Church Cast Devotional. And on the very first page, it says, if you reach for the stars, all you get are the stars. But we've got a whole new spin. If you reach for the heavens, gosh, I'm getting choked up already. If you reach for the heavens, you get the stars thrown in. Anything can happen, anything. And then it does say written by me. And it also says bridge person number four. And those in the cast will get a big kick out of that. All right, let's dive into the introduction. And there's a a verse. The wind blows wherever it pleases. John 3.8. Once again, we come to the point where all the work is starting to pay off. Hours of singing and hearing Kendra, I'll give you a backstory, Kendra um, is the gal that taught and did all the music, vocal stuff, all the vocal stuff. And she was in the show. She's a Kendra Kirby. She's amazing. Uh, Kendra would say, that's wonderful. Now let's try it one more time, which we tenors, there were five of us women tenors. I promise I won't do this through the whole thing. I just feel like you guys should have some background. Anyways, which we tenors knew that meant we had messed something up somewhere and needed to try it again. (laughs) The best was a broad smile from Kendra, thumbs up, and we moved on, which meant we had got it all right. Other wonderful memories during rehearsals was a group of older men, I'm making air quotes, older men watching the dance training video on the phone while together trying to do the dance moves. Priceless. Or watching Lori's face. Lori Seiler and uh, Sloan uh, were our choreographers. They were amazing. Watching Lori's face as she gave us a particularly intricate dance move, she would hold her hand up by her mouth and look at us with this twinkle in her eye that said, you guys can do that, right? And when we did the choreography for Jolly Holiday for the 86th time, both Lori and Sloan said, hey, you guys aren't half bad. We, the cast, erupted in cheers. And the tons of hours spent working on everything leads to 11 amazing performances, and more importantly, Lord willing, many lives transformed. But it can be easy to get overwhelmed with all that it takes to produce and be in one of these big shows at Grace. It can become all about technique and performance, but without the right heart, the story we are attempting to tell will be lost. Our impact will be watered down. So for the last couple years, I've listened to the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit and tried to capture what he desires we see and we hear as we create hours of life-giving theater for several thousand folks. Many people will sit in the seats and enjoy the show, would never darken the doors of a church. Some cynical folks will come ready to make fun of a church production of a Broadway show, and some will be incredulous of Christians believing that how we are portrayed in the media is the way that we actually are. The reason we do these amazing shows 
is is that the breakdown to break down the credibility gap that exists out there. We desire that people come to an event at Grace and be loved from the minute, and I mean the minute, the minute they enter the building to the moment the curtain falls and we take our last bow. None of this will happen unless we, the cast, and the crew take time to wait, seek, listen, and hear from God. As I write tonight, I'm picturing many of your faces. It is my prayer that these words encourage, minister, and challenge you as you prepare your heart to serve in this unique way. Our hearts will only be ready if we have quieted our voices and are now ready waiting and listening for His voice. Our world is a broken place. We know that Jesus is the only way to survive this mixed-up, shattered, out-of-order world. Too many of us are reaching for the stars, the stuff we can get by or make happen. But we know when we reach for the heavens, reach for Jesus, we will get the stars thrown in. And as I read from Draw the Circle by Mark Batterson, something caught my attention. The wind in the show moves the story along. The wind in the Broadway musical moves the story along. Winds from the east, there's a mist coming in, like something's a brewing about to begin. From John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Mark Batterson says, Jesus states, you cannot tell where the wind comes from or where it's going. So it is with the Holy Spirit, says Jesus. In other words, you can't never always sometimes tell. But one thing is certain. If we follow Jesus, our lives will be anything but boring. And anything can happen. Anything can happen, friends. So let's go chase our dreams. Day one, we're in a mess. We begin the show with an age-old truth. Life is hard and it gets messy. We often live in that mess. Yes, we are in a mess, states Mrs. Brill. No wonder the nannies are driven insane. We're living in a madhouse in Cherry Tree Lane. Ray did it much better than I just did, by the way. Um, uncomfortable and lost in the mess, many of us look to the philosophy of George Banks, main character in the show. Precision and order, or what is commonly called control. Many of us li- love to attempt to control life. We read self-help books in an effort to learn to control every aspect of our lives. Take a walk down that self-help aisle at the bookstore someday and read the thousands of titles to create precision and order. Take control, show authority, know your role, clean your kitchen in five easy steps while vacuuming your carpets and walking the dog. Rather than listening to his two beautiful children and realizing life with kids by nature and by default is messy, Mr. Banks chooses work or what I'm going to call control. We will be bombarded with this message that work or control is good, that living out your life with and for others especially those not like you, will be messy, and that's bad. Life is just messy. People are a mess. Sin entered a perfect world, and the mess was born. We can choose to figure out how to live in the mess, in spite of the mess, looking beyond the mess, or we can attempt to control it. And just like George Banks, who failed at controlling his house, so are we doomed to failure when we attempt to control our homes, our place of work, our school, or our life. If we run from the mess and the messiness of others' lives, we're doomed to be just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We we do have a choice. 
we can be just as determined as George Banks to control life, to be the sovereign of our homes, or to turn that over to someone who's even sweeter, warmer, and more loving, and even more fun than Mary Poppins herself. When we give our lives to Jesus, and I'm not just talking about 75 minutes every other weekend, but I mean completely give our lives to him. And if we take nothing off the table to guard for ourselves, we begin to soar. When we relinquish control, when we stand on our knees ready for whatever God brings, we're ready to fly. When we stand in the mess, palms up, humble, yet resolute, we can walk and not grow weary. Our scripture references for this day are 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would be just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and even I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love's not jealous or boasting or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices when the truth wins out. And love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful and and endures through every circumstance. Now, with each devotional, I added what was called supercalifragilistic kits. So at the end of each day, I'm going to read a little extra blurb. I'll just call it the kids portion because I don't want to say supercalifragilistic expialidocious 11 times. Um, And these will just be a few thoughts, maybe kids in your own family and those of us young at heart. Practice speaking kind things to those in your school and at home. For extra credit, be especially kind to your brothers and sisters, wink, wink. And once you recognize a mistake, ask for forgiveness, turn and try to do better. No, God is not keeping a scorecard. You are perfect in his sight. Jesus needs you in the fight to make things right in this broken world. Day two, practically perfect. We love to think that we have it all together. Now, if not completely all together, then at least mostly together. We believe we can strike that perfect balance of strength and humility all on our own, making many of us secretly sing right along with Mary Poppins about how practically perfect we think we are. What is mind-blowing is that it is not our effort or our ideal or flawless or faultless or practically perfectness that brings others to the cross, but it's our weaknesses that attract people to Jesus. Well, being exact on target, absolute, or perfect implies there's a standard to determine this just rightness, this perfection. Many see the church as one big contest of who can be judged the best. Remember the scene in the park from the show, and Michael sings, She seems so different, but I bet she's not. Well, Mary had a definite problem. She had a credibility gap. And there's a credibility gap that keeps so many from ever entering the doors of a church. It began with the hypocrisy haze that seemed to taint everything and everyone in the church. We said we were perfect, but we were definitely not. 
Mary's saying she is practically perfect perfection. But the goal, if the goal is perfection, then the roadway is a rule book and we're all doomed. And those looking in, well, they see it. They recognize our futility in attempting to be righteous or what some call religious. If the standard is perfection or rightness, then we all appear phony or act fake. The beauty of the church is that we're all broken, fallen, less than. We have scars, wounds, and stories that we'd rather not tell. Our hearts have been crushed, flattened, and trampled. We all fall short of the standard of the glory that God requires. But here lies the good news. Jesus, he takes our place. He's not just practically perfect. He is perfect. The perfect lamb, the unblemished sacrifice. And if you want to go to a deeper dive into the character of God and his desire for us, then take a look at these two pictures of God the Father. Now, many people hold up one picture or the other. One image views God as a stern judge looking at every flaw, every missing buckle or loose button. He is uncompromising and unyielding as he marks us off for a scruff on our shoe or a simple button out of place. He's a cold judge just waiting for each of us to mess up. Or there's this picture of God the Father as a loving daddy in the stands cheering us on with delight and enthusiasm. He is yelling with all his might. He's so excited to see us out there playing on the field. He takes off his winter coat and he's waving it above his head like a banner. He's jumping for joy. He's cheering us on with thunderous applause. He brings no judgment on our performance. He just brings undying acceptance and a forever father's love. And as we watch those we love struggle through life as hard moments, we're going to grieve with them. And we watch them lean on Jesus and still worship God with abandon. Well, then we find that our faith is encouraged. It is our brokenness that is a beacon to the a vibrant relationship with God the Father. He imparts his rightness unto us because of Jesus. We do not need to try to be perfect because in the Father's eyes, because through Jesus, we were already made perfect because our relationship with Jesus, we are practically perfect in every way. We are flawed in this life, yet redeemed for a future in perfection. Jesus stays tender even when the going gets tough and when life is unbearable and, and it's hard for you to remember that you're practically perfect in every way. Then, then remember that and remember that you are loved beyond measure. And remember that your brokenness calls out to the lost, to the misfits, and to the rebels. Jesus is calling, and he waits for you. And his perfection is what covers up all of our sins. Now, the scriptures from Romans, Romans 3, 21 through 31. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People were made right with God when they believed Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair even 
when he held back and did not punish those who sinned at the times. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do at the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. So we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, it's Is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. And there's only one God, and he makes people right with himself by faith, whether we are Jews or Gentiles. Well, then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. The kids portion. No one's perfect. We all fail. If someone in your life seems to be mean angry, or out of sorts, then try and learn about their story. Their life may be very hard, and you may need to be extra patient with them. God loves us all. Remember, we're all in a mess, and nobody is perfect. Day three, a jolly holiday with you. Who makes your day feel like a holiday? We all have those special people who just bring out the best in us. They make our heart feel light, and they can take an ordinary day and make the the sun shine brightly. The touch of their hand and you feel so grand. You can feel your heart start beating like a big brass band, and you can feel like you can fly when you're with that person. The grass, it just seems greener and the sky bluer. Even your shortcomings feel smaller. And you know you may be a diamond in the rough, but underneath you are as good as gold. No wonder you love them. Everyone has that one person who absolutely loves them. Hopefully you, you can think when you think about it, you can name several folks in your life who make you smile and make your heart skip a beat. But here's the challenge to all of us. Who would choose us? Who would choose you? Who would choose me when describing someone who brings out their best? Who are you championing? Who are you cheering for? Never, ever downplay your influence. Rich or poor, young or old, weak or strong, married or single, parent or childless, these labels, they mean nothing when it comes to authentic community. Yes, it is always fun to be around those we are like, alike, look like, sound like. But authentic community, meaning loving, loving, journeying with burden-bearing, doing everyday life with, doesn't begin with a common label. Authentic community begins with an uncommon shepherd. It, takes, it, it starts at the feet of the one who set the stars in place, formed a million galaxies, crafted larva that bursts, the, that bursts a butterfly, paints canyons out west the same colors as the night sky. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, is at the genesis of genuine human connections. Jesus in me and in you is the bridge, the link, the bond that forms a deep and lasting relationship. After days weave into weeks and weeks move into years and years merge into decades, well, we then become family. And it all begins with Jesus. He began with 12 outcasts, misfits, rebels that changed the course of human history. Jesus changes an ordinary friendship 
into a bring out the best heart, skip a beat, sun shines brighter, grass is greener, and sky is bluer friendship. Relationship formed in the hollow of the Savior's heart are deeper, stronger, and more fulfilling than any relationships on the planet. And our scripture reference today, for this day, day three, is Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your self-interest. Take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. And though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took, he took the humble position of a slave. He was born to a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor, gave him the name above all names, and at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The kids' questions. Jesus has some extra special friends for you inside his kingdom, your church friends. Find kids you enjoy hanging out with, and if they know Jesus too, that is your fellow kingdom warriors. Everyone needs others to help make it through this broken world. Friends who love Jesus will love you the best. Always remember, those friends can make mistakes, and those friends can have bad days. But ultimately, those friends will love you best. Day 4, The Father's Story Nelius states her father is far away and she misses him very much. Michael has to ponder whether he would miss his dad at all. Jane worries about Nelius being lonely and wonders if Nelius will come and stay with the banks. Mary answers with the phrase that is the heart of the show. Anything can happen if you let it. Michael is desperate for his own dad's affection and time. George Banks can't even find the time to teach his son to fly a kite. It's not a comp as, as complicated days upon weeks kind of endeavor. You just grab a string, connect it to some paper and sticks and run. So simple, but George can't even find a tiny window of time to fly a kite with his boys. Yet in this seemingly insignificant moment, we learn a lot about the banks. Because they feel neglected and entitled, the children seem to be greedy and don't seem to have any feeling for each nanny they have tortured. Yet when they encounter the coldness of their, the fatherless statue in the park, that's Nelius, their hearts begin to melt. What of their own father's story? An overworked, consumed with precision and order father had his love of astronomy beat out of him as a child, and that is where his story began to take shape. We are all children of someone, and all of our parents have a story. Because we are children growing up, we can often not make right sense out of our own story that is woven inside our parents' story. We can also be wounded deeply by our parents' choices. Other than Miss Andrews, that's the, the evil nanny, there were no true villains in our story. And I suspect if we knew her story, Miss Andrews' story, we might feel differently about her too. 
Each of us is living out our own unique story inside each day, each week, and each year, and then patterns emerge. George begins to see his story anew when shiny gingerbread stars appear after being hidden from ye- for years. His words are haunting. I used to dream. We all used to dream. That's what childhood is. It's a time to dream. That's what it's like. Many of us missed out on the dreaming part of childhood. Life was hard. Like chains linked together, our experiences can create a prison of thoughts, misguided words, and broken dreams. We can become like Miss Andrew's lark, trapped inside a cage, unable to fly. Our ability to soar is questioned. Are we to stay locked away forever? Our stories can become our own prison. We can miss the greatest adventure life holds. Who holds the keys that unlock it all? Who breaks every chain? Who breaks the chains of dysfunction of wrong choices? Who breaks the chains of hard-heartedness and arrogance? Who breaks the chains of abuse and crushed dreams? Who breaks the chains of woundedness and injury? The one who has gone before us stands cloaked in gentleness and immense power with the scars to prove his pain and suffering that will cover all and forgive all. All our wrong choices, deep brokenness, gut-wrenching pain, life-forever-altered tragedies are healed and made whole in the potter's hand. We, too, will still live with our pain and scars while we walk in this place. But one day, someday, we will walk with him, completely healed, whole, perfect in his sight. Jesus breaks every chain. It's so simple. We can spend our lives trying to make it better, make us better. I wonder if the banks had been living with their chains from the beginning. Michael says to Mary, Mary Poppins, are you going to stay this time? You're, you're going to, aren't you? Her reply, I'll stay till the chain breaks. In the final scene of the show, Michael says, what happened? Something's changed. His sister Jane replies, look, it's Mary Poppins' locket. Oh, the chain is broken. Don't you remember? I'll stay until the chain breaks. That is as clear and as simple as it comes. She stayed till the chain was broken. Jesus did the same for all of humanity. He walked this earth until the chain, the power of sin and death was broken. Mary leaves a telescope for Michael and a picture of the three of them signed from Mary Poppins with a good deal of love. Jesus left us some things too. He left us his words so we can search the heavens for the truth. He left us with a big old community where two or more gathered, anything can happen. And without a doubt, his greatest gift to us is his spirit who dwells inside each moment of each day, reminding us of his love. Over and over, the spirit whispers, oh, oh, how much I love you, my child. I will see you soon, forever and ever yours, Jesus, with a good deal of love. The scripture is Hebrews 2, 10 through 18. God, for whom through everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus, the ones he makes holy, have the same father. And that's why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among the assembled people. 
He also said, I'll put my trust in him. And that is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only in dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. And only in this way could he set us free, all who had lived their lives as slaves, to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help us, the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself had gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we're being tested. The kids portion. A very famous daddy said, the worst mistake of all was not understanding relationships well, meaning he didn't know how to be a good daddy. He didn't know how to take care of his wife. He didn't know how to be a good friend. He didn't know how to be a good brother. This daddy at one point was the richest man in the entire world. Warren Buffett has made more money than you and your family will ever see yet he failed at being a good daddy. Parents are going to disappoint you. There are people too, just like you. And you're, you're just like, as you want them to understand when you make a mistake, you need to try to understand when they make a mistake. Mommies and daddies love you more than you will ever know. So when they make a mistake, be kind and loving and just give them a break. Day five, the forgotten. When we encounter the old bird woman, Michael calls her horrible. This is an aside. During the show, the young man playing Michael could hardly do it. He loved the gal playing the character. So those words are just really tough, horrible. But then in the play, that's what happened. He calls her horrible. And Jane says she's a bundle of rags. Mary's words of wisdom are for us all. When will you learn to look? past what you can see. When will we look past what we can see every day? Each of us could make up our own story about the sweet old bird woman. Why is she there on those steps of the cathedral? There must be other places she could feed the birds. And she is the least of the least. She's old, she's poor, and she's seemingly all alone. Yet Mary shares all around the cathedral, the saints and the apostles look down as she sells her wares. Although you can't see them, you know they're smiling each time someone shows that he cares. Though our words are simple and few, listen, listen. She's calling to you. Feed the birds. Tuppence. Tuppence a bag. It actually was a very iconic moment during the show. It was absolutely beautiful and breathtaking. And the bird woman seemed all alone on the steps. But she was surrounded by angels and other Christ followers. I wondered about the word tuppence. What is a tuppence? It can mean hardly anything, worthless. A tuppence, a couple of throwaway pennies used for what doesn't matter, is a description of her as she sells her wares. But inside this iconic moment of both the film and the Broadway show is the truth of the gospel message. The least shall be the greatest and the... The least shall be the greatest, and the first shall be the last, rings out on those cathedral steps 
every time she feeds those birds. We see the bird woman as an obvious symbol of the lost and forgotten. But who's lost and seemingly forgotten in our technically savvy, speed-of-light, over-resourced lives? Who do we walk by every day and not even see? We all have these saints in our lives. Take some time to think, why is it so hard to see the forgotten? Are we just moving too fast? Imagine if Mary, Michael, and Jane had only a few minutes to get where they were going. Maybe they had 10 more things on their list to get done before they could make their way to the bank. Maybe Mary had so much on her to-do list she hadn't slept well the night before, unable to turn off her practically perfect brain. She was too exhausted to even see straight. There's th- there is now why she she couldn't see the little woman feeding the birds. She was just if she was moving too fast. Okay, try this experiment. When you're running late, ask yourself, if I saw someone in need, would I slow down and stop? Maybe the two other guys passing the wounded Samaritan from the Bible story were not hard-hearted at all. Maybe they were just too busy. Moving fast prevents you and me from seeing those the world has thrown away. We're called to reach out, help, and support, and make their lives better, those that are less than. When we look back on our journeys, what's going to matter? Is it the countless restaurants, movies, conferences, business trips, nights working till all hours that will be our joy? Will our lists of endless activities be our crown? As simple as the answer is, we make it complicated. Obviously, our activities that fill our time, better our positions and increase our influence, well, that only matters to us. And like the morning mist, it will disappear quickly. If we're spending our time to further his kingdom and yet still moving too fast, we do not see all he has for us. Now, of course, a dinner out, a movie, and working hard, they're not the enemy. Living at the speed of life, creating darkness that closes us off from the least of these is the enemy of living sold out for Jesus. Overcommitment suffocates our hearts and blinds us to see the forgotten. Every day he comes in silence, the stillness, and the moments we are hushed. Then we can feel, see, and hope. And only when we stop and we breathe, taking in all that is around us daily, can we begin to hear his song. Feed those weakest. Show them you care. Their hearts are so hungry. Their lives are so bare. Save the lost. Spare the broken. Feed the least, and that life rejects. While overhead the saints fill the skies, although you can't see him, you know he is smiling. Each time you take time to show that you care, though his words are simple and few, listen, listen, he's calling to you. Feed my sheep, my lambs, and my misfits, tuppets, Tuppets, tuppence a soul. The scriptures from Matthew ten, twenty-eight and thirty-one. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body; they can't touch your soul. Fear God, who can destroy both soul and body. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it? And the very hairs 
on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And here's the kids portion. Who are the forgotten at your school? Who's looked down upon? I will not tell you how many years it's been since I was in school, especially elementary school. But I can remember a girl who was teased terribly by a group of other kids on the playground. And I did nothing. And it still haunts me. And when I think about it, so look for those that are forgotten and hurting at your school and reach out to them. And if you see somebody picked on, make that difference. Tell someone, tell a grown-up that you trust. Stand up for each other. You may make the difference and brighten their hearts. Day six, Upside Down-ish. I think uh, my favorite song when I first heard the soundtrack uh, for the Broadway musical was Anything Can Happen. I knew right away those words were going to be front and center in our devotional. And this song is filled with so many clear gospel messages. Tonight, as we were rehearsing the song, these words literally jumped out at me. Anything can happen. Raise the curtain. Things you thought impossible will soon seem certain. Though it may sound clownish, see the world more upside downish. Turn it on its head and then pirouette it. Anything can happen if you let it. If, there, if this is not a clear picture of the kingdom of heaven, then I may need to turn in my crown. You know, you're supposed to get a crown at the end of your life. Or I joke, my pinky ring, depending on your obedience level. The curtain was torn forever, giving all of us entrance into the Holy of Holy. Things we thought were impossible are now possible through the power of our resurrected King. We are all fools for Jesus. And the world's going to see us as clowns. And we live in an upside-down kingdom of heaven every day. We see the world differently. We desire to change it. We're looking for, searching for, reaching for our destinies. We live to bring our gifts to one of the six broken places, transforming lives and breaking chains. We see the world from another's point of view. We attempt to see life by walking in their shoes. We turn greed on its head and we give all of our money away. We refuse to be selfish. We spin materialism around and create a place where people matter more than stuff. Life is out there waiting for each of us to grab it by the collar, seize it by the scruff. Once we have stepped into our destiny, leaving our old life behind, we are truly living the life God intended us to live. We will not be able to get enough of a Christ-centered, other-focused, give-it-all-away life. Though life will still be hard, God is always good, and heaven is always sure. You won't know a challenge till you've met it. No one does it for you. No one but yourself. Vacillating violets get left up on the shelf. Anything can happen. Just imagine. That should be our epitaph. We should wear the badge of honor of the world's free thinkers, those who look beyond their blinkers. No one can walk your journey but you. No one can solve your problems but you. This may take all of your courage to seek the help from those 
whose scars lead you to the healing truth. None of us want to remain on the shelf. Walk into the fire and the brokenness. Know that you and I are not alone. So many looked beyond life blinkers ahead of us and that have gone before us. Those were not fit to even lace their shoes. Anything can happen. Our job is to follow him, seek him, listen to his words, and live as if anything, anything can happen. Our scriptures from Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then here's Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance to the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. He, now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. And then you won't become weary and you won't give up. Here's the kids portion. It's very hard to be last. And it's very hard to see others get away, get, excuse me, get what they want when they want it and feeling like no one ever sees you. Jesus sees you. He does. His kingdom is just upside downish. Practice letting others go ahead of you. Practice not getting the credit. And know that that's just how God's kingdom works. And But remember, he sees your heart and knows exactly why you're making the choices that you are. Day 7 what really matters. We've been exploring our destinies at Grace Church for a while now. We are each a masterpiece created to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. We know the world is a broken place where our giftedness and our passions dissect a broken place. That's our destiny. There is only one major speed bump, sometimes one, our family. None of the above matter if we're living like the banks. Before we change the world, we need to take a hard look at ourselves. We need to be helping out our own kin before we attempt to help others. It is not what we say, but what we do that will change this world. Jane tries to keep Bert from joining them on their walk in the park. Father would never approve. Too dirty, she says. George doesn't even have the time to wish, wish his children good night. They seem to always bring out the worst in their dad, the children do. And the mother, Winifred, seems torn between her life before as an actress and the person she thinks will please her husband and her children. Her job is to be Mrs. Banks. His job is to pay for everything. The children's job seem to be to create chaos and break things while they're complaining. Winifred has to convince herself someone else is needed to care for the children. Four people living separate lives, sharing an address and a last name. That's a definition of the Banks family. 
Now George, the dad's, upbringing broke his spirit. His parents never had time for him, and he clings to precision and order to save himself. He doesn't even see that it's tearing those he loves most right out of his hands. Winifred, the mom, is lost trying to be Mrs. Banks, which seems to bring her failures right up to the surface. They all can't seem to find each other, even though it does seem that they love each other. I love that the key to this family finding each other is symbolized in the simplest things. Throughout the show, they are driven with keeping up with the Joneses, but kind of on steroids. It would seem that the two small, two small sticks, some paper, and some string, all bought with a tuppence, are the remedy for this deeply broken family. But what is needed to bring back life to this broken family? It's actually time. Time together listening to their children. Winifred learns that she just needs to get out of her own way to help her husband. Realizing there are more important things than money, George rediscovers the human race, including his own two children. Mary Poppins seems to be the one hovering over everything and everyone. We have children desperate for a father's love, yet unable to get to him. It takes an intercessor, a bridge, someone to show them the way to the father and his love. Mary brings the children to the father. Now, we don't have a practically perfect nanny to fix our families. No, we just have the God of the universe living inside us, directing our lives with love and compassion. Jesus is not practically perfect. No, he is the perfect lamb, the ultimate sacrifice, Emmanuel, God with us, the supreme superhero, fully God and fully man. The Holy Spirit transforms our families from strangers living under one roof to loved ones supporting, never leave you, always believing in you, forever family. And our Heavenly Father is never too busy for us. Let go of all the shiny things that never fulfill their promise. Live for Jesus, then life forever changes. Family first, beauty out of ashes, joy out of sorrow. Peace out of adversity, sweet out of rancid, comfort out of pain, healing out of brokenness, life out of death. Only the King of Kings and Lord of Lords can transform people living with similar DNA, the same relative connections and life experiences, via divine alchemy into a loving, high-functioning, do-anything-for-each-other family. At the feet of Jesus, every relationship is saturated in heavenly glory and surrounded by a forever love. When those we love go before us to live forever in glory, we're less tethered to this world with all its pressures and challenges. We live with one foot on a dusty, earthbound road and the other standing firm on the streets of translucent gold. We are hardest on those we do life with every day. Even Jesus had little honor with his own family. But spend some time thinking about and praying for the family that God has given you. Our scriptures from Mark 6, 4 through 6. And then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. 
And this is Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Never forget that we're adopted into God's family. All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out to us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness upon us along with all wisdom and understanding. Here's a question for the kiddos. Spend some time bringing your family to Jesus. Spend some time praying for them. I would bet you know best how to pray for those living under your roof with you or those siblings that are away at college or have moved on to to new jobs. Know your prayers are vital and very important to the kingdom. You, no matter your age, you are a brave warrior battling for your friends and your family. Day 8. Playing the game. This day was written just for the kids in the cast. Those of us who, or those of us who have never grown up. I bet most of the kids can remember what life was like when they were little. We adults can barely remember what we had for breakfast. I currently work with three-year-olds, so I see temper tantrums and fits often. And then I leave the teacher's lounge and I encounter the children. Just kidding. We don't have a teacher's lounge. I think we can safely say the children in the show are demanding. Jane and Michael Banks are what we used to call spoiled. Today it's called entitlement. Kids, I bet you've heard this before. You're not entitled to everything you want. What this phrase means is that you feel you have a right to whatever you're asking for. It's not even that you're asking or requesting something. Nope. You are demanding, expecting, or requiring you receive it immediately. Mary Poppins calls the children out. Tempers are frayed. Tempers are lost. No one stops to think of the cost. The toys in the show, the toys become alive. The toys join in in the witness with Mary Poppins against the children. Not playing fair, thrown on the floor. Michael and Jane are are entitled to what exactly? The toys are neglected. Who's to blame but the children? It almost becomes like a Perry Mason courtroom drama. Mary makes sure that the kids hear that the toys what the toys have to say. Valentine, the doll who was terribly mistreated, and the toys chant, creates such a fuss, they need to learn to value us. The bottom line is that each of us has to learn the value of others. Life is hard, no matter if you're 8 years old or you're 48 years old. People hurt our feelings and will break our hearts. Life is often unfair and makes no sense. Bullies seem to have it easy, while those playing the game correctly, looking out for their friends, can never catch a break. What are we to do? Cry, stamp our feet, take it out on our family? Or can we find another way to respond? Start with realizing everyone has a story. Mr. Banks was raised by the meanest nanny ever. She was always beating his dreams into tiny little bits. She broke his heart over and over. 
Jane and Michael had a daddy who only seemed to care about money and a mommy who was distracted and divided and frozen with guilt. There were no warm, tender moments until Mary Poppins arrives. In our stories, our journeys, the one who changes everything for us is Jesus. When he lives in our hearts, he can take life's hardest moments and make something sweet out of them. He can make the toughest circumstances, the medicine, and redeem it with a spoonful of sugar. He may not make the bully go away, but he will help you deal with the bully. He might have a teacher or another grown-up help you, and he may strengthen you so that what is said doesn't hurt you so much. He will redeem what hurts. It will still hurt, but he can transform it and change it into something spectacular. Kids, you are loved by your parents, family, and this crazy crew called the Mary Poppins cast. Never doubt how important you are to us and to God's kingdom. He created each of you for something unique and something only you can do. Let it let go of all the demanding, insisting, and pleading. Know your Father in heaven loves you, hears you, and wants the best for you. The answer may be no, but that no is because he's got something better. Or what you wanted might have harmed you or derailed your journey. Trust his no. Trust when he says not now. And also trust when he says yes. He loves you more than you will ever know. Literally to the moon and back. Our scripture is from Luke 18, 15 through 17. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then from John 15, 5 through 7. Yes, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Sorry, that was just John 15, 5. Here's Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and you surround me with songs of victory. And finally, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I know that I am strong. And then for the kids, here's a verse we can all use, Philippians 2, 14 through 15. Do everything without complaining or arguing. I would add whining too, seriously, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Kiddos, remember God has given you to us. You are the shining stars. Remember the gingerbread stars that melted the daddy's heart in the show? You can help help melt our hearts, the grown-up hearts. Your choices help us grow closer to Jesus. Never, ever underestimate how much your strong, humble, delightful hearts can influence all the grown-ups in your world. You can be champions for change, warriors for the least, and the wind, and the wind changers for us all. Day 9, A Night Out on the Tiles 
first of all, can I tell you, this is my, what's one of my favorite numbers of the show. I had many favorites. But anyways, a night out on the tiles. I love the picture of the chimney sweeps. They appear out of nowhere. They're dirty and covered in soot. Guardian angels you don't often see. They're not highfalutin, not grand, not aloof. And they've, all, they've been up for all hours. And they love what they do. And their idea of heaven is a night out on the tiles. They seem to be telling us that they are heaven's, heaven's lookouts, a motley crew smudged with tar and grime. But when you need a helping hand, we try to step in time. They are the stretcher bearers of their day. The whole song is a mantra or a chant to cheer of what it means to be in community with those who deeply love God and deeply love us. We have to have those special folks who will just step in when needed. No one has to ask the chimney sweep to come and help. They just show up. Even they link elbows in part of the songs. Um, it'll take, it may take a village at times when life is so broken. We can hardly stand when breathing air feels like a chore and the grief is a thick fog pressing us down. We feel we'll never return to what was once the way life was. So there in life's worst, the sweeps burst in on the scene, flying and tapping and kicking and linking elbows and stomping feet and smacking anything to change the beat and to bring some form of joy. Our stretcher bearers will tear open the tiles to get us to Jesus. They'll pound on heaven's door demanding the Father answer. The stretcher bearers know God is one prayer away from unleashing a healing miracle. This grimy um, remnant calls out to the deep and reassures all of us that God can be trusted. Those chosen few step in, never needing a reason or a rhyme. They just know they're needed. It's no surprise to me that the lines about parenthood are woven in this song. Childhood is a step in time. Parenthood's the same. When the steps aren't going smoothly as they might, that's when we step in. Step in just in time. We need each other. Definitely, as we try to raise kids in this insane world, we need help. If you need us, if you don't, doesn't make much odds. We'll be watching over you. Sometimes we don't have enough faith, or, or maybe our disappointments have cast such a gloomy shadow we can't overcome it. And that's when we need someone to step in and let us borrow their faith. From a recent sermon on this exact topic, when will we stop being barriers to Jesus and start being roof breakers? We need to look beneath our own hurts to find the strength to help. Even when we can't or won't go to Jesus, we must find those who will link arms with us and carry us to the great healer, to Jesus. Carried in his arm, arms, glory washes each moment in the dazzling light, and there we can find our rest. He throws wide open the door to heaven. It seems effortless, yet we know it cost him everything. He takes our broken, pathetic, sinful, stubborn, lost souls and transforms them into falseless, fault, faultless, forever, other-centered souls that shine like the stars of the universe. We seek to help, and we are the chimney sweeps. God answers our prayers, bringing praise to his name. Our job is to step, step in, just step in time.
Our scriptures from Psalm 68:19. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord our Savior, for each day he carries us in his arms. 1 John 4:18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows we've not fully experienced his God's perfect love. 1 Peter 4:11. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all your strength and energy that God supplies. And then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight. And then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In Galatians 6, 2, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. For the kids, who needs your help? Make sure you're helping with a humble heart, desiring that God receive all the glory. Take it from someone who's living on this planet for a long time. Your desire to get credit or to look good will creep in. Keep your selfish self out of the way. Help because that's how we're supposed to live. If we're to be a part of Jesus, filled with eternal, forever, life-changing, always new crew. And at the end of the devotional... I could not leave out the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, even though it has 8,000 letters and who knows what it really means. So at the very uh, last page of the devotional, this was called Extra Fun, and it's titled supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I think this word is going to be rather useful. We need to find a way to express yourself. And then it goes on with um de um de which was just crazy on stage. Almost everyone who has seen the film or the Broadway show knows the song. It's an earworm kind of song, meaning once you've heard it, you can't forget it. Um, and once you start singing it, there's no stopping you. And an amazing job to all of those who mastered the letters in the show. I, like, had five and barely got those done. And what to do with this outrageous word as far as the devotional. Even the song can remind us of why we do these shows and who we do them for. Because our God is worthy of just some thinking about his name sometimes, just his name. We have seen what too busy does to our spiritual lives. So let's take this amazing, crazy word and use it to focus our hearts on who God is and what he does. I compiled a list of the names or attributes of God using each one of these letters Mary, Jane, and Michael found in Miss Corey's talking shop. Take some, spend some time just thinking about each one. Spend some time thinking, uh, thanking him for these thoughts as thoughts of gratitude and worship fill your mind. Let these words wash over you and encourage you. And if you're up for the challenge... Take this group of lengthy lexicons and make your own list. And if you take the challenge, I would love to see your list. So I'm going to take each letter from supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and give you either a name or a trait. So S was for Savior. U was unchangeable. P was provider. E was eternal. R was redeemer. C is creator. A is all-knowing. L is Lord of all, I is I am, F is Father, R is righteous, and A is almighty. G was God most high, I invincible, L Lamb of God, I Emmanuel, S sure foundation, T truth, I immortal, C comforter, E everlasting, I cheated on X, X was exquisite in every way. 
um, P, perfect sacrifice, I, um, invisible, A, alpha and omega, L, light of the world, I, image of God, D, deliverer, O, only begotten, S, son, C, chosen, I, indomitable, O, our savior, U, ultimate healer, and S, sure foundation. So for the kiddos, I wrote, okay, challenge on. See if you can take the letters from supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and find things about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that start with each letter. You can go crazy with the letter X. Bring your supercalifragilistic words to me. I can't wait to see what you come up with. And remember, you're forever blessed. And we are blessed to have each one of you in the show. And now we come to the end of the devotional. I can't believe it. Day 10. Finish well. No, we have to do day 10. Finish. Here we go. Are we going? Yes. Yeah, okay. Going. Now, let's, let's finish up with um, day 10. Finish well. My desire for each of us is that we know how much God loves us. My prayer is that we as a cast can see the beauty God has woven through each of us as we have given all we could in rehearsals, in backstage, in the green room, and while we were performing. And as I wrote this devotional, I often saw your faces, and I would pray the words written down would bless you, encourage you, and challenge you. What an absolute honor to be a part of this cast, a true dream come true for me. So many ridiculously talented people in one place gave away their time to be a part of the show, but more importantly, so many amazing followers of Jesus in one place serving the community with joy and selfless love. What a joy to be a Christian serving Jesus at Grace Church doing this musical, Mary Poppins. This cast is a picture of saints walking together and living out a life given up for others with a heart transformed by the unexplainable, forever difference, Jesus. We are different because church is not about being right, nor is it about following rules, and definitely it's not about judging others. A life with Jesus is entering into the inexplicable, life-transforming, everlasting journey where anything can happen. We can have an authentic personal relationship with the author and perfecter, perfect maker of our faith. Jesus changes everything. He calls for the first to be last and the last to be first. He rejects all the judgments the religious leaders use to suppress their followers. Jesus gathers the brokenhearted, the wounded, the misfits, the bruised, the battered, the beaten, the prodigals, the wounded, the injured, the aching, and the hurting, transforming this motley crew into a celestial army that battles the dark and shadowy sinister forces. We are that motley crew. We have been given this amazing opportunity to act, sing, and dance others right into the kingdom. We're on the front lines making a difference where anything can happen. Take this experience being in Mary Poppins and walk, run, and fly. We've shared an amazing story with thousands of folks, but now it's your turn. Now you share your story. No one can argue with your story. It's your turn. No one can challenge your story how Jesus has changed your life. That's what this broken world needs. You sharing your story. Amy Christie told us often we would not succeed without first praying over every detail. We knew without God's intervening hand and marvelous provisions, this show would not have happened. 
Remember, you are standing on holy ground when you pray. Become a spiritual desperado, reckless, never giving in to the pressure of fear from what others will think. Defy gravity and protocol and convention by believing the God of the universe is simply waiting for you to ask before he moves. With unrelenting, persistent, and shameless audacity, pray. Keep praying and pray again for those battling seemingly the darkest odds. Bold prayers, vertical prayers, the opposite of safe, predictable prayers will overwhelm the naysayers and the nitpickers, displaying God's glory for all to see. Speaking with God is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Bring it all to him because nothing is too big that he can't handle it or too small that he doesn't care. When a crazy prayer is lifted up, a crazy miracle comes down. And finally, spend time with your heavenly father. If this show has taught us anything, it is that our time with our Heavenly Father is crucial. We need to slow down and soak up whatever He has for us every day. Unfathomable peace is ours. A magnificent morsel of the living Word awaits us. Making sense out of this insane journey is at our fingertips. And most importantly, remember this life offers shiny things that rust and break, so Don't just reach for those shiny stars. If you reach for the stars, all you get are the stars, but we have a whole new spin. If you reach for the heavens, you get the stars thrown in. Reach, reach for the heavens. I was lost in my sin and my brokenness, and now I am lost in his grace and mercy forever. Anything is possible, anything. Life is hard, God is good, but thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that heaven is sure. And for you kids out there, we are forever blessed by having you in this show. Each child, each kiddo in this cast has made a difference. No, you have a a team of grown-ups and teens cheering you on. And teenager, you know that too. There's a group of grown-ups cheering you on. You are so special. Now go out and reach for the heavens where anything, anything is possible.